Welcome to Within WordPress, the podcast, which will allow you to get, get to know all the people inside the WordPress community. And today with us, we have someone who's built a very interesting tool for WordPress, Ivaio. Welcome. Hey, I'm Chris. And um, yeah, how about you introduce yourself? Yeah. So my name is Ivailo, as you already mentioned, and I am part of the Nitro Pack team currently um, as uh, running as a CTO. And uh, within Nitro Pack, we've uh, uh, been dealing with site speed for for quite a long time. And I like uh, this topic already. Today, Sorry, what? I like this topic already. So let's start with, uh, with, the, with the most obvious question. Uh, Nitro Pack, uh, it solves um, a lot of performance problems for, uh, for sites. How, how did you get to building this? What, what triggered it? What is, what is your origin story? The origin story is uh, quite a long one. We started back in 2012 or 2013. Yeah as a solution for OpenCart. Um, okay. This is an e-commerce platform. Yep, I remember. And back then, NitroPack, yeah, it was uh, an extension for OpenCart for solving the site speed problem for e-commerce owners. So we actually started by solving primarily problems for uh, e-commerce websites. Yeah. Um, and over time, as we were building this, uh, so first of all, we just noticed that many people are struggling with this. So we wanted to provide a solution. And that's how we uh, entered the site speed optimization uh, area. And uh, the more we uh, dug into it, the more we saw, uh, the more problems we saw that needs to be solved, right? Yeah. Uh, so we saw different types of uh, um, issues that people are struggling with. So one could be uh, issues with uh, how fast you're, you're serving requests to your users, but then we also saw a big uh, kind of struggle of people uh, to, to get the, the content that they serve for this content to render properly and render fast on the end user devices. Yeah. Uh, as, as we gathered more clients, we started noticing patterns, we started dealing with um, different use cases, different devices, different network connections. So this is how we uh, essentially began to to realize how important it is that your site um, performs well in a real world environment, right? I think e-commerce is a good uh, good indicator uh, indicator in terms of yeah if if you're if you're not performing with an e-commerce site, it's actually hurting. Yeah, really yeah. hurting. Not hypothetically. It's it's a real blur. Yeah, and it's uh, very easy to to measure it in an e-commerce website, right? Um, uh, so, yeah, this is essentially how we started, and then the more problems we wanted to solve, the more challenges we were facing in terms of uh, limitations from, let's say, the host you're running on or. The yeah. platform being OpenCart is a PHP-based system, so solutions need to be written in PHP, for example, for different problems. And this uh, give 
it just puts a lot of uh, limitations on what you can provide as a solution. Yep. So um, with just uh, as time was passing, like we started thinking of how we can uh, solve more of these problems in a, in a way that we are not limited by uh, the environment that your site is running in. So a few years passed and we came up with an idea how to do it. So, and this was still you, this was still you focusing on open card mostly or only. Yes. Yes. We were yep. still focusing mostly on open card, but we wanted to, uh, make a solution that is not strictly for open card. Like we saw that this is a, an issue that a problem that needs to be solved for, uh, many websites across different platforms. Yep. Uh, so we started thinking of how to do it and, uh, um, I think it was uh, in the summer of 2018 is when we came up with an idea how we can we can build this. So that's how the NitroPack in its current form was born, let's say. Yep. Over a lunch discussion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, since then, we built it uh, as a cloud-based solution. So NitroPack became from just an extension for open cards, it became an API that any site can utilize to, to be optimized. Yeah. And uh, to this day, this API is actually uh, publicly documented in docs.naturopack.io. So uh, we are the, the integration that we are building now, we are, well, so since then we, we built the integrations with uh, uh, WordPress and uh, Magento on, as an addition to open card. Yeah. Um, and, but we also have like solutions for any website and we do optimize different platforms, but not, uh, as a, like in the same first party manner, but yeah, the, the API can be used by any website to, to, to be optimized and I, I take it what we use for our solutions. Yeah. I, I take it you uh, work with different profiles. Like, um, if, if a particular CMS connects to your your service, like, can, I, can anybody just hook into it or do you need a special integration happening? Because I think I know there's a... Anybody can can hook into it, actually. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah. You imagine that you have a browser, like your browser can open any site, right? Yeah. So we want to give the a similar experience in terms of optimizing your website. Um, we rely on the core, like, uh, principles of how the web is built. Yeah. And we understand those and this is how we optimize. So in theory, any website can be optimized. Yeah. Uh, so the, the way you would optimize a website manually, right? The, the tools and the techniques, the tools might be different, but the techniques that you're going to be using are similar across platforms. Yeah. Of course, some platforms might be, uh, might have some special tool that if you utilize them, you can optimize them better. Uh, so we try to do this, but in general, uh, even platforms that are unknown to, to NitroPack can uh, hook into it and uh, be optimized. Yeah. So, but my, my mind so, goes into like, if, and this is probably possibly uh, way too deep in, into a different uh, direction, but let's say I, I have built something um, um, custom myself, um, some sort of e commerce solution. I would need some way to exclude uh, whatever NitroPack is doing on the caching side of things. 
uh, for my, uh, when I'm in my cart? Like, mm -hmm. is it that level of depth that your API is programmable? Like, do not do yes. this on this types of uh, URLs and, and, or when a cookie is there, that, that, that sort of stuff? Yes, absolutely. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you really are yeah. multi, multi-platform. So when, when was it you decided that WordPress was probably a smart way uh, to gain more traction? Because uh, I, I, I remember the moment Nitro, Nitro Pack became more known um, and it was just out of yeah. the blue, like all of a the sudden there you were. Yeah. What triggered that? So, uh, yeah, so by the end of 2018, when we had this uh, API ready to, to be used uh, more broadly, mm -hmm. uh, we started thinking like, okay, so how do we solve uh, this problem for as many sites as possible? So, because of course, part of our um, uh, motivation for this is purely because we want to do it and we want to to see the the benefits of it on as many websites as possible, right? Yeah. So we also offer the free plan uh, because this just gives us a way to um, just m more and more sites are um, available to to join, right? So we remove some barriers that way. Yeah. And uh, so by uh, uh, by the end of 2018, we were thinking of how to distribute this to as many websites as many websites as possible. And the goal is it has always been, and uh, the goal was to uh, optimize as much of the the web as possible. Right. And then WordPress is a so natural we, step to take. So we're still thinking of different ways to do it because there. Are like you have a lot of um, a lot of places where you can uh, you can provide solutions. There are different. Some sites are using a special build system to to be built and then distributed to the web. So yeah, um, it, there are a lot of uh, like challenges to to this. But we're still thinking of okay, we uh, are imagining this future where you click on a website and it's loading instantly. It, at all times. Yep. Like, uh, we think this is, um, at, at least for us, this is very interesting topic and very something that is, we're passionate about and we just want to see it happen. Um, just for like, from a personal standpoint, uh, you know how, when you want to, to have something uh, as an engineer, yep. uh, you, you think, okay, I can do this. I want to build it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's build it. Yeah. And then you want this to, whatever it is to be used um by everybody by everybody right? yeah, yeah this is like the great uh, satisfaction yeah yeah i get that i get that so yeah. the the what are the biggest challenges you saw when when wordpress and performance optimization uh, became part of your um your agenda and i'm, I'm including woocommerce um, here because coming from uh, open card type background i'm sure you quickly also specifically looked into WooCommerce optimization. What are some hurdles that you yeah. saw? Uh, oh boy. Uh, so we saw uh, what would be the biggest ones. I'm not sure how to rate them, but surely there <laughs> have been uh, the ones, the, the things of, let's say, scaling, uh, the, uh, let's say the, the way this is built, with uh, an infrastructure, infrastructure like ours is 
definitely a challenge to to handle um, as much optimizations a, as we do yeah. uh, in in a day or in an hour or whatever amount of time. So that's a very interesting one for us, and very it was a very very challenging thing, and it still is, of course, uh, because the goal is these uh, optimizations to happen almost instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that one, and then we also have have what? had challenges with figuring out the the most optimal way of, let's say, uh, purging the cache, right, and refreshing the cache. And these are specific uh, so, for uh, for WordPress and WooCommerce. More difficult than than other platforms. Uh, I think this is global for all platforms. Like one of the hardest things is to to know when you need to refresh your cache. Yeah. Uh, let's say because most of uh, uh, like the okay, not most, but you need to have caching on on many layers in order for uh, a site to be to have high performance yeah. especially if you want to make it on a global scale it's unrealistic to think that you can just do it with a powerful server and everything is going to to work magically yeah you uh, you need to deal with cache um so managing this cache layer is uh, especially because for example in in wordpress and woocommerce there are uh, like there is this, uh, I, I think it's good. There is this uh, culture where, where most of the, especially the managed hosting solutions, are providing a, a caching layer already. Yep. So whenever you provide a caching solution like Nitropack to and you want to distribute it, uh, you need to be working uh, well with the existing infrastructure for caching, right? Yep. Yeah, for sure. But then people are uh, adding, let's say, cloth layer or some other caching layer on top of that. Mm-hmm. So you end up with three or four caching layers, um, which uh, is definitely challenging, uh, I would say. And um, at mm-hmm. least it has been uh, for us, if we want to we want to make use of all of them. Like we, our mentality is like, okay, so this infrastructure is there. Let's see how we can utilize it uh, to deliver the best uh, experience. Yep. So that's definitely a challenging one. Uh, yeah, I can imagine because yeah, so you, you purging ha- the cache and you, that's caching in and of itself is uh, is an interesting beast. Um, yeah, it the amount of layers that you have, like even in the inside the application, right? So WordPress has caching, mm-hmm. uh, has object caching, has transient caching, um, then has output of HTML caching in some way. Especially certain hosts have. And some of them do that in file systems. Some of them do that in Nginx. Um, mm-hmm. it, it becomes a very large mix. So that's just the application. And then uh, whatever's happening in front. Um, so Cloudflare is, a, is an often used uh, solution. Uh, I guess Sukuri as well. Yeah. Um, and then you join the mix. Yeah. Yeah. That's a challenging one. So how... I'm I'm very curious in terms of how you solve, because um, I agree with you. Caching uh, is 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 when not done correctly is a pain in the ass to solve correctly, right? So the, yeah. I I know of hosting companies that have a mediocre at best caching solution internally, 
which is just meant to solve some some stress from the servers, and you know that's it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really solve the actual caching problem. So how do you how do you deal with that? How do you work with caching that is just not set up correctly? Do you reach out? Do you just work around? What is the goal there? Yeah, we typically try to uh, work around if we can, but mm-hmm. uh, whenever we see an instance like this, we also try to we reach out and try to work with uh, the hosting provider, even if it's, uh, let's say, a custom-managed service or whatever. Yep. We do try to, we do reach out and try to make it correct. Um, fortunately for the, like the most, uh, at least for the most popular hosting solutions, um, it is fairly well uh, done and we do um it just works out of the box like we do we're able to connect and to hook into these systems uh ourselves yeah and uh yeah but it's definitely an interesting one and on on this topic while we are on on caching i would like to say uh if we go back to um like side speed in the real world and why it matters and how to achieve it. Uh, I, I want to say that if you want to achieve this um, speed for the real for your real users, because they're likely going to be distributed uh, in terms of geography. Yep. Uh, you need to be dealing with this, and uh, I see that many people are either afraid or they they have had bad experience with cash. And when they see something about care, they try to turn it off. But if you turn it off, <laughs> you're likely going to not uh, have great results if you uh, go uh, like a little bit far away from your server. Yep. So it might work well for a radius of, let's say, 500 to 1,000 kilometers. But uh, beyond that, you typically need to be dealing uh, with a cache layer. Yeah. The, so, la- the latency yeah. that increases uh, across the globe uh, like you can have a perfectly blazingly fast website, even uncached. Yeah. <laughs> you can have that one in New York, but uh, if somebody from Japan visits or Australia, they are not going to see a stellar solution. Yeah, I, I, I've seen that assumption go uh, go wrong many, many times. And they're like, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's perfectly cached. Yes, very locally, but it's perfectly cached. Wonderful. Um, yeah. I've, I've also seen the example of... Um, uh, I was working on an e-commerce store trying to optimize it, and um, I think it was hosted in, um, I think it was in, in Los Angeles or something, at least on the, on the, on the West Coast. And uh, they saw, they, they concluded themselves, uh, customers are complaining the site is going slow when they add something in their cart. And we don't understand mm. because we have everything cached. So the base principle of understanding that your site, your e-commerce site uh, works with uncached version of your site as soon as something is in cart because you cannot serve cache stuff well maybe some static stuff but definitely not the contents of the page um that was entirely new to them I'm like how how did you not know that's that's interesting because you're you're yeah. working under the assumption that it's fast all the time everywhere in every scenario mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's not real is that are you are you having to fight a lot of uh 
incorrect assumptions of how performance and, and speed and metrics and stuff like that, how do they work? Or is that something you battle with? Uh, depends on the definition of how we, what we battle with, but uh, we definitely, um, like do have that in mind and, um, especially we have to, let's say, educate, um, the public. That's, I think yeah. one, uh, like, I, I think this is a little bit, uh, underserved, like exactly these special uh, cases and scenarios are the ones that uh, right now I think are uh, do need more attention because many there are many articles there are many mm. uh, just uh, yeah there's a lot of information about caching your website and the the benefits of it uh, how to do it and but in the re real world in reality they typically skip exactly that this part this is the hardest part right yeah. when you need to customize it when you need to be unique for each visitor how to yeah. how to yeah. do that one so because wh whenever you build your great user experience and you build your great features especially in an e-commerce site yeah which work only when you're logged in or uh, your site is great and you want uh, your uh, visitors to be buying more uh more products let's say for for single transaction, yep. if you don't have a good strategy of how to do this when you have those visitors logged in or if they have items in their cart, you're essentially going back to square one and you have nothing. Yeah. Um, and then you wonder why, uh, like what's causing this? Uh, we thought we have this optimization, that optimization, the caching layers and everything and just doesn't work yep. uh, that simple. Um, Geography, again, is also one of these factors. Even if you have your site cached, even if, let's say, your site is completely static, you don't have uh, ability to log in, you don't have ability, let's say, for adding items to cart. You, again, if you don't pay attention to, let's say, geography, again, uh, you, you might see and like uh, not great results and then wonder why this is happening. Yep. And... Google themselves, like this is one of the reasons they, if you know in search console, uh, in the, in the, in your field data, you can, uh, so I, I'm not sure whether you can do it in the search console, but if you check the public crux data, there are tools to do that. Yep. Uh, you can browse by country. So you can inspect how your website is uh, behaving across geographies. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why, because this is typically overlooked, but it plays uh, uh, a very big role in uh, how your site speed actually, uh, how your site behaves in terms of speed across the globe. I would imagine that your um, your decision going from a um, module or you know local on the server type solution to a uh, cloud solution is also with this in mind, right? So that uh, to solve that problem yeah. globally, because you're not just solving it for the server instance itself and that well you what did you call it a thousand kilometers radius yeah so 500 to a thousand is probably yeah so then you're also solving it by um going globally i like that uh, i think that's something similar to what uh, cloudflare does as well they have like 300 data centers yeah. roughly around the same idea right so they don't want to solve it something locally they want to solve it for everybody yeah. everywhere yeah the, yeah, the the whole e-commerce and or uh, 
So e-commerce, but also membership sites, not fully understanding impact of performance when people are logged in. Um, I offer uh, WordPress performance scans. So I have two versions, but both of them have a results template where I have a dedicated section already written just for this, because nine out of 10 people have no idea that that actually exists. Like you invalidate cache the moment you are logged in. So whatever your hardware hardware is doing or not doing, you're going to run into that particular limit. Um, how do you solve that? Because I'm imagining that's something you, you see as well, right? So you, uh, people come to NitroPack and they go, oh, okay, great, good, good solution. Let me, let me use that. They turn it on. Yeah. And then they're logged in and they say, yeah, it's not just, you know, not really what I expected. How do, I, I assume yeah. that's a problem you have to solve. How do you solve that? Yes. So, uh, a little bit of backstory because, um, I just want to set the context of like what's happening sure. in the background. Uh, typically when you need to, um, to serve a cache for a certain page, you need to have, uh, somewhere a file or in some sort of storage, you need to, to keep the version of this page pre calculated, let's say pre rendered or whatever you want to say it yep. for this specific use case, uh, for this specific page and, uh, a lot of factors that go into this. But as soon as you log in, your environment changes and whatever you have, uh, pre prepared, uh, for a certain page, uh, needs to become, uh, like it becomes invalid, needs to prepare it with the environment of this user. Yeah. Um, so typically what many solutions do and how this problem is generally solved is you start generating your new versions of cached pages or uh, rendered pages with this user in mind. But imagine what happens when you have thousands of users, like this can uh, grow so much. And if you decide to keep this in, in memory, you will need just a ton of, uh, uh, memory on your server, or yep. if you're using file system, you need to many, uh, tens of gigabytes typically, uh, to store these cache files and they're used like just a few times, one, two, three times, which is super inefficient. Um, so the way we're solving this is, and I'm not sure whether I can share this right now, but we've, we've had this solution for quite a long time. It's just, uh, not you generally, uh, if you, if you send a request to us, we'll generally solve it for you. We have a solution for it, for this. Uh, but we, what we're doing is we are. We have a way to reuse the cache that is made for your public pages. Okay. Yeah. So this makes it a very efficient process in terms of, uh, the memory or the disk space that is going to be used and, the, yep. and also the so-called, uh, cache hit ratio. So, uh, this keeps the hit ratio very, very high. The, the way we solve it, I'm not sure whether I can explain how we solve it, but <laughs> I can definitely tell you that, uh, this is something if, if you're trying to solve this problem, uh, on your own, just have this in mind that if you are building a cache for every single user individually, this is not a very efficient strategy and it's yeah, it doesn't scale. going to be scalable. It's not going to, to, to solve, to really solve your problem. No, you, you do it, but in terms of results, 
it's uh, don't expect this to be like great, um, especially if you want to, to if, if you have a global audience and you want to have a solution globally. This just doesn't uh, doesn't scale and doesn't perform. No, because assuming you, you you're solving it on your own server, um, that might work. Uh, it's going to use a uh, lot of resources. It's going to use a lot use a lot of storage. But still, the problem of locality versus global, um, it just ex exacerbates it. It makes it worse. Um, you're, so you're not really solving it. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh... There are approaches, there are some more efficient and less efficient approaches to this, but having separate cache for each user is definitely the uh, the least efficient one. Yeah. Uh, in terms of results and everything, just energy, especially nowadays where uh, we've entered the more um, energy cautious era, if we can call it that way, because yeah. Yeah. previously people were just... Uh, throwing more power into everything and solving problems that way. Now we're trying to be conserving energy. And if you want to be conserving energy, you have to uh, look at, at this problem in uh, from a lot of angles. Yeah. So wherever you can save something, you can, you should do it. Yeah. Um, this reminds so, me yeah. of, yeah, I think that's a great explanation of, um, of of one of the issues that you're running into with caching versus global and uh, just a lot of users. Um, this reminds me of one of the issues we ran into with um, uh, with the client, where the the problem was not necessarily that there wasn't caching being done, but it was somebody had written a custom solution in JavaScript, which is you know definitely not the way to solve this. Um, but it 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 grew, the size of the cache grew so large that turning on caching actually made the site slower than when you just left it off. Like it wow. it just hogged that much of memory, that much of I/O disk use. You know, it. it it's just it, you know, it was a developer trying to be smart, and, and in, in a way he solved an issue, but just didn't think about the consequences that go went along with it and. I, I see a lot of these solutions, uh, you, you know, again, with the, with the audits that I do, like people try to solve stuff just because they read somewhere on, in, on the internet. This is a way to do it. Um, it's very interesting, the, the kind of stuff that you encounter. So yep. if, if you look at the, um, this, and this is, uh, again, something I encountered a lot as well, understanding metrics, like what are you actually measuring um i'm imagining this is stuff that you you're getting into as well since you are offering a solution so there's before mm -hmm. then you introduce nitropec then there's an yeah. after they're going yeah. to measure what they're thinking that they're measuring what would you say is are, are good ways of actually doing the um um you know knowing what you're measuring do you have any any yeah. tools that you would recommend to use, like before and after? Do do I just go to Lighthouse yeah. or do I what do I do? Yeah, so I I would suggest uh, first of all, regardless of what you are trying to use, let's say you want to use NitroPack and uh, compare before and after with NitroPack, or just some change that you introduce any change, to your yeah. site. Yeah, any change. Yes. So there there are two. Uh, ways to do it and 
like one is called, you have the lab way of doing it, which is going to be a reproducible, more or less a consistent way of doing it. Yeah. And then you have your field data. So these are two different uh, uh, places where you, you can look. Um, so lab uh, data and lab results is what you can immediately get information from. So this is your reproducible scenario, always running the same uh, the same conditions, the same hardware, the same, yep. almost the same, of course, network conditions and everything. So it gives you a good way to compare one uh, solution with another, let's say your previous approach and then your current approach, yep. let's say. Um, and you can get some metrics. Uh, you, some tools like Lighthouse, they give you a score. You you might get just raw metrics of numbers of, uh, let's say, your core vitals, or uh, if you're, let's say, you're trying to optimize for, I don't know, time first byte or something that is not a core vital, but whatever you're trying to compare, you can get an instant result, an instant feedback using a lab in instrument. Yep. There are a few tools that are popular, and Lighthouse is probably the most popular one. You have it uh, built in your browser because, uh, okay, it's built into Chrome, but a lot of browsers nowadays, now, nowadays are Chrome-based. So you have it in Chrome, or you can use public tools like uh, Google's Space Beat Insights, yep. or there's GT Metrics, which also uses Lighthouse. Uh, you can go into web page test, which is again a lab based solution and it gives you like a few unique features that um, other solutions don't give you like you can set up your environment there you can run custom scripts you can test uh, let's say multiple consequence requests uh, so you can test how your site performs on the first page load and then on second or third page yep. load yep and these are all different right because uh, the first page load is uh, Typically only once, yep. once per device, right? Yeah, for a certain amount of time. And then you can really optimize your experience for the second and third page loads. Yeah. So uh, depending on what you're focusing, you can use different tools. But definitely check out these big ones. Like uh, if, if you're looking for uh, um, a way to, to, to do lab tests, definitely Google, Google Space Beat Insights, web page tests. GT metrics, um, being the most who has a good tool. Um, and, and these are all for lab data. And it is important to understand that whatever these tools give you is going to be a lab result, which only makes sense if you compare it with another lab result for your use case. That's a good point. Uh, they don't, apples and uh, apples. Yeah. They, they don't represent what you should expect from. Um, for the performance of in the real world, right? For your visitors. Mm -hmm. um, so what this means is you might get, let's say, very good scores uh, or very good result with your lab test, but then you might see not so great results in your field data or vice versa. You yep. might get low results, but then you have good field data. So the second one you can see with big sites, like uh, you can go to some of your of the, the most popular websites on the web. You can check their lab scores and you might see, oh, they have uh, not so great lab score, but you can check their field data and you'll see that 
they're actually performing very well. So these two are not straight, uh, like, um, th there isn't a clear correlation between the two. And you cannot say, if I have this score, I will have these results in the field data, in the real world. I think the difference between um, just going to Lighthouse and, for instance, uh, uh, GT Metrics, that in itself is already, those, both are lab, obviously, so if you test GT Metrics yes. before and GT Metrics after, you'll, you'll have, you're comparing apples with apples. But just comparing GT Metrics stuff uh, versus what Lighthouse finds, that in itself is already a too big of a difference. Like, wait, I thought I was yeah. doing great. I'm not? What, what's going on here? Yeah. 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 So what should you should be looking is looking for improvements uh, or changes in between tests of with, let's say, lab tests using the same uh, tool. And yep. then you can expect that you will have similar um, changes in, in your field data. But similar, I mean, if you had a positive change with your lab results, you, you can expect a positive change in field data, but the amount of the change, uh, should you should not expect the same thing. So yeah, even if you, if you improved your, let's say, your LCP with lab tests, you should, by, let's say, a half a second, you cannot expect that it's going to be half a second improvement uh, in your field data. Yeah, LCP is the uh, largest contentful paint for those uh, not aware. Yeah. So one yeah. of the one of the core web vital metrics, which is light, is what Lighthouse is testing. Yeah, but sorry, yeah. go on. Yeah. So that's uh, that's how you can use the 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 tools for lab testing. So. If you see a positive change there, you can expect a positive change in your field data. But what you should focus on is having your field data uh, in correct, right? Yeah, in the yep. um, in the grid. So with field data, you also get uh, specific numbers. So it's not like uh, um, we see this pass or not pass, uh, pass or fail. Uh, sometimes UIs, but you also have specific numbers for each of these uh, metrics. So you should look to improve and to have your numbers in the uh, in their best states, right? Yep. Um, and and also um, field data is collected. You cannot simulate field data. You, you need time to collect it. So with lab testing, you can get instant feedback. So you know whether you're doing changes in the right direction. But then you cannot expect that you will see the changes in field data right away or no. from today or from tomorrow. No. Do you have any do you have any good examples of how to collect field data? Um and and, and, and just to fill in my assumption, I'm I'm assuming that with field data you're referring to uh, RUM, real user metrics. Yes, yes. Yeah. Do you have, uh, do you have a favorite there where you you know use any this? Favorite uh not particularly other than what Crux already captures. Yep. And so your Crux is part of uh, which, Chromium. Yeah. Yep. Visitors that use Chrome or Chromium, they will uh, send data to this open uh, data set, which is Crux. Uh, stands for the Chrome User Experience Report. Yep. Um, which uh, developers around the world, browser developers, are used, using this data to understand the state of the web, right? Yep. So to look for patterns, look for what's 
uh, performing well, what is not performing well. So this is one of the biggest data sets and it's uh, definitely an interesting one. Um, so uh, it's just important to know that this, when you're looking uh, at this data, you have ways uh, to, to query or to check your current status there for either your origin or a certain URL. But uh, um, this data is like what they call a rolling uh, number. So this number is uh, calculated over data for the past 28 days. So whatever number you get today and you do some improvement, your improvements, uh, you, you will not, tomorrow you will not see the improvements straight away. You will have to wait uh, until these changes uh, really start meaning something into your data. And that's also yeah. because, um, of course, it depends on the amount of, let's say, if you, if you make a very big change, you might start seeing uh, changes in your field data like sooner than, than if the difference is not that big. But generally speaking, you have to wait a, a few, uh, a few days or ideally 20 well, days. You, you need volume, but you need, you need volume of traffic. Yeah. Uh, but recently Google also released the history API for, for, uh, for Crux and I'm not sure how we can share a link. Maybe you can, I can drop it, I, I, the, I can drop it in the description. Yeah. In the description. Yeah. I'll send it after, after the, yeah. uh, the meeting, but, um, there is this tool that you can visually query the Crux history API, which gives you a very good, uh, understanding of how your site is performing over time on a week by week basis. So you have a six months worth of data there on a per week basis. Yeah. So this is like a quicker way to see changes without having to wait 28 days. So this is generated but, by anyone using a Chromium based, um, browser. So that would be Chrome itself, uh, brave yeah. edge. So I'm not sure about Chromium or just Chrome, to be okay. honest. Okay. Could be a difference there. Yeah, maybe the, the open source forks, maybe they don't have this. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure. But, but, but it's the Chrome data gathered sure. by anyone visiting your site, um, yes. through the so, Chrome browser browser that's being recorded. That is then also in, from a historical perspective available. Yes. Super interesting. Yeah. So it's, um. It's also important to understand that this is not every visitor will send data or will report data or not that uh, Google will collect all of these data points because this is just from data standpoint is going to be a very large data set. Yeah. <clears throat> so what they do is they collect uh, um, just a few percent of the traffic. And if your site doesn't have a lot of traffic, you might not actually have field data from the Crooks report, so from Google. So from the perspective of Google, your site, they don't have uh, field data for it, so they cannot actually evaluate how, how it performs in the field. Yeah. But uh, you also have some uh, third-party tools that you can use, like you can install something in your website to 
um, collect this data for you. So yep. you can see, first of all, you can see changes in real time. Uh, um, you can make it so every uh, visitor uh, is sending data. So you know you have a much better overview and much more accurate overview of how things are performing. Yep. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> sorry. No worries. I, uh, I'm, I've, I've been drinking yeah. water here as well uh, for the same reason. Yeah. But so, I have, well, I have, often... I have the option to mute myself. So. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> A lot of talking here. No worries. But yeah, generally, um, there are other tools that you can use to. Do you have uh, a favorite uh, rum uh, testing tool then? Uh my favorite is the one that we have internally. So. Ah, okay. Yeah. Other one. Yeah, that, that, that's the smart answer. I get it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's uh, I have, I have. So um, I, I get, um, every now and then I, I share something on Twitter, and then somebody asks me, "Oh, uh, can you share that?" And like, yeah, I technically can, but I choose not to because it's an internal tool that I worked on, and um, it's proprietary. I don't have to share it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't even have a way to share it right now because there's no there's no way to access the data. But you can use, uh, let's say. Uh, I think New Relic has some solutions for this. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe look into that. Our, yeah, maybe just wait a little. I don't know. Yeah. If you're using Nitropack, I don't know. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. I think I heard something, but I'm not sure that I heard it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm also not sure. So. Yeah, no, okay, but um, the, the the question was, um, there's ways of measuring. Um, you have clients, obviously, onboarding to NitroPack that then have questions like, okay, so I didn't see the difference. What am I measuring? How how should I be measuring? Um, but you, yeah, the, the, the base of the answer is you need to compare apple to apples, um, and you need to compare uh, live data with lab, or, or, yeah, you need to compare live data with lab data. Um, yeah, well, just lab so, with lab, or yeah, you um, compare lab between labs, so just lab to lab. But uh, yeah. also, if you make changes and something is improving on lab, you need to double check that it's on real live yeah. user data yeah. is also a positive impact. Um, Definitely, yeah. I know there's ways. Um, I forgot where I saw it. If I if I remember where I where I saw it, I'll include it in the in the in the show notes. But I remember somebody uh, creating a it was just one HTML page that would rank absolutely perfect for Lighthouse. But when you visited the uh, the URL, that site was slow, like like crazy amounts of slow and annoying stuff happening on the page. Just because they they knew how to work around whatever lighthouse was measuring, so it's it's a good example of never trust the systems. But you yes, you need to check mm -hmm. yourselves as well. So yep, Nitropack has a has a good solution in there. Um, I'm kind of curious uh, myself, being uh, uh, one of the co-founders of WordCamp Europe and um, uh, also organizer. I, I saw you had a, a, a presence at uh, WordCamp Europe in Athens. Mm -hmm. Is there yep. a specific um, 
I don't, I don't want to say goal, but is there an idea you have in mind in terms of um, what your ideal type of um, WordPress user looks like? Do you have a, like the, the, these are the people we, we target or, or types of sites? Is there anything you can share about that? So, yeah, as I kind of mentioned earlier, our goal is ideally to have every website using NitroPack. So it's, there is no, there's no specific, uh, there's no specifics there. Uh, we believe this, the site, site speed problem is a global one. So the solution should be a global one as well. I like that. Uh, yeah. So we're just trying to, to make it, uh, work for any website. We do understand that different use cases might have a solution that is that needs uh, you need a slightly uh, tuned solution yeah. to to get the most out of your site and the most speed. So we're trying to provide this as well. So let's say if you have again, if you have an e-commerce site, uh, you might be occasionally running campaigns. You might be expecting just a lot of traffic for a small amount of time. Let's say you're in a promo or whatever. Yep. So we do optimize for. Example for this use case. Also, uh, if you like the example that you gave, uh, if you're logged in, if you have items in your cart, um, then you also have the also popular sites, which are blogging sites or just the portfolio websites. Yeah. So generally, we try to make it so that um, every every website can uh, can be much much more much faster if they're using NitroPack. I like that goal. Um, so yeah, um, I think that um, that answers at least a lot of my question in terms of um, what your what your aim is, what your solution is, and how you're integrating with the WordPress community. Um, so uh, yeah, I want to thank you for uh, being on the podcast. I appreciated the uh, the behind the scenes sort of look that you gave in terms of um, performance optimization um, for listeners to the podcast, they know that's uh, obviously something I uh, am more than a little bit enthusiastic about. Um, so yeah, thank you for, uh, for joining and um, best of yeah. luck. Thank you again, because 